And God, as we come to you, we look toward that goodness, Lord. We look to you, God. You are great, Lord. You are in our lives. You are sovereign. You are powerful. Lord Jesus, you are Yahweh Nisi, Lord. You are our banner. Lord, our banner. You are victory, God. And as we come into your word tonight, Lord, let us remember that you conquered sin and death. And Lord, that we don't battle for victory, but we battle from victory, God, because you have risen from the dead. And so, Lord, I pray that as we get into your word, that you help us in the spiritual battles we face, Lord. Lord, as we battle temptation, God, as the enemy comes against us, Lord. And I pray you would equip us tonight, Lord. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit and your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you can grab your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. The title of our message tonight is How to Win Against Temptation. And uh, we're going to be talking about how uh, Jesus... He, the temptation of Jesus, how he was in the wilderness, and how the enemy, the devil, came against him tonight. I was thinking about this, and I, I read about a mother who told her boy not to go swimming after school, but come straight home. But when he came to the house, he was soaking wet. Well, the mother scolded him and said, I told you not to go swimming. Well, the little boy's like, I couldn't help it. I had my swim shorts on, and the water looked so nice. So the mother's like, hey, but what, you know, what are you doing there? Why in the world would you wear your swim shorts then, right? Why go like that? Well, he replied, just in case I was tempted. Well, when it comes to Satan and temptation, it's not just in case, right? But you will be tempted. I was thinking about something F.J. Sheen said. He wrote, you are not tempted because you are evil. You are tempted because you are human. And I like that. We are all susceptible to temptation, and the enemy knows that. Well, tonight we come to our passage in Luke, and as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Luke, we're going to be covering actually... In this section, it's going to be 1 through 13, but we're only going to take a few verses here, and it's all about the temptation of Jesus. Jesus, as you know, is God, the Son, come to this earth and has become fully human. And being fully human, he comes into battle with the devil in temptation. But know this, in our story, he wins. So Jesus gives us the example to follow, and how to win against temptation. That's our title, How to Win Against Temptation. And tonight we're actually only going to do part one in our passage here tonight, part one. All together, we're going to do four parts here. I, I, I really felt like we're going to go deep into this passage and how Jesus won against temptation and the battle with the enemy. So we're going to do part one, how to win against temptation, part one. We're going to do Luke chapter four, verse one, and the first part of two. So that's why it says one, two, eight there. Now I'm subtitling this tonight, and the subtitle is the opportunity for victory, the opportunity for victory. So in our little tiny section, we're going to look at tonight, we're going to see three things, the Holy Spirit direction, Number two, the wilderness destination. And number three, the devil's demolition. 
So three things tonight. Let's begin here. The Holy Spirit, number one, the Holy Spirit direction. The Holy Spirit direction. Take a look at me here now. Verse one, it says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. And we'll stop here. We're actually going to go all the way up to led by the Spirit in this first section. Now, we begin here with how Jesus now, he returned from the Jordan. He went back into Judea area, basically. Now, remember, Jesus had been baptized, right, by John the Baptist. We, we studied all of that in our last message. And when he was baptized, remember, that was when the mission begins, right? That was the title of our message. That was the official start of his ministry here as the Son of God, as God has sent them. So he's officially starting out, and the first thing he does, you know what he does? He goes and battles the devil. That's what he does. And, and that's the first thing in his ministry. That's what he's going to do. And it's such a rich study for us that it's something we, we're going to learn from. So we begin with this Jesus. He returned from the Jordan. And he was, notice it says here in verse 1, full of the Holy Spirit. Now the word full, it means actually like abundant. It means just what that means in the original Greek. And I like to think of it as it means that there's no gaps. Yeah. No air gaps. He's totally full. Actually, another way to put this is that he was soaking with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is important, you guys. This is important because, once again, Luke emphasizes the humanity of Jesus. Now, you remember each of the Gospels gives a, a, a sort of portrays Jesus in different ways, right? Remember how each of the Gospels do that, the different characteristics of Jesus. Like Matthew, do you remember what does Matthew portray? Jesus being, yeah, the King Messiah. Matthew writes to the Jewish audience. Mark portrays Jesus how? Mark portrays Jesus being a humble servant. In the book of John, the, uh, the Apostle John, he portrays Jesus how? Jesus being Lord God. Here in the book of Luke, remember, Luke portrays Jesus what? As a man, as a person, in his, a human being in his humanity. He portrays the humanity of Jesus. So this is important. That's why Luke puts this detail in here. And in that humanity, we find Jesus was so full, totally full, completely filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's how he operated. Now, I would say Jesus lived like how we should operate today. He went ahead of us. That's who we are to follow. Take a moment and turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Turn to the right. You can keep your finger there in Luke 4. And turn to the right to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. We're familiar with this chapter. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And the Apostle Paul's writing here, Ephesians 5, 18. And he says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So Paul's talking about here that, you know, don't be drunk. Don't be, don't be under the influence of alcohol, right? But be filled with the Spirit. You know the word filled here in the original Greek? It, it means like, putting yourself under the control of the Spirit. So it goes along with Paul saying, don't be under the control of like alcohol, under the influence, right? But be under the control of the Holy Spirit. And actually the tense in the Greek is saying, continue to be filled 
with the Spirit. Con- continue with the filling of the Spirit. And that's what we see really with Jesus. He was filled all the way with the Holy Spirit. Now you can go back to chapter 4. So this speaks of Jesus being under the control of the Spirit. So the first thing I want you to see here, and we're going to have two points here in this section. And the first point is this. Jesus lived in full submission to the Holy Spirit. Jesus Live in full submission to the Holy Spirit. And again, that's how we should live. Submit it to the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we're not under the control of the Spirit, right? We're, we're, we're like controlling ourselves. Or if anything, we try to and we go out of control. I remember years ago in my younger days when I was in my 20s, I used to skateboard and surf. Well, I still surf. And, um, you know, in my younger days, I'm only 30 now. But... <laughs> Why are you laughing, my wife? No. <laughs> I'm in my 50s, yeah. Well, I remember I was riding my skateboard down this little hill, and I had my surfboard in my hand going down to the beach, and, and I thought, no problem, I can handle it going down. You know, I was riding down, uh, riding down everything. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if you guys skate before, but you get that little speed wobble. You pick up some speed, right? And you get that little wobble, and then you're trying to control it, and, and, and you start going, like, out of control. And I was going out of control, and I know I, I knew I was going to eat it really soon. So I threw my board to the side in, in, in these plants, and then I, I fell, and then I went tumbling, tumbling, tumbling down. And the first thing I did, I was all scraped and everything. The first thing I did was get up and check my board. That's why I threw in a plant. Save the board. Save the board, right? That's the most important thing. Well, next time I, when I went surf over there, I got a bike with a little rack on it. I rode down there because I knew I'd just probably go out of control again. See, I thought I would have things under control, but when things got intense, I got, it went out of control. And you know what? This is what we need to learn here. Let me tell you this. The first step in fighting temptation is to be totally submitted to the Lord. That's why... I, we see this example of Jesus here. Jesus, yes, he's God, the Son, but remember, he's fully human. And in his humanity, he was fully under the control of the Holy Spirit. And that's how he could win and beat temptation that's coming up here in, in our passage. So in the, when we're under the control of the Spirit, it keeps you from getting out of control on your own. So let me give you this tonight. Do all you can to be like Jesus here. Jesus lived in full submission to the Holy Spirit. Well, let's live that way. Full submission under the control of the Holy Spirit. Well, here in verse 1, we see something else now. Jesus was full uh, in the Holy Spirit. And then look, it says, um, uh, He returned from the Jordan and was what? Led by the Spirit. So here we see that Jesus was led. The Holy Spirit guided him into what? The wilderness we see at the end end of verse uh, 1 here, right? The destination was this location in the wilderness where Jesus was tempted. That's where the devil came and tempted him. That's the setting in our story. Now, here's a question. Why would the Spirit lead him to that destination where the devil's going to come and tempt him. Why was this the, the wilderness that destination? Why would the Spirit, Holy Spirit give him that direction? 
I mean, this is where Jesus was to be tempted. Here's the answer. The answer is to put Jesus to the test and bring out that the Son of God will never sin. That's why. That's why. If you ever wonder, the Holy Spirit lead him into this place where he's going to meet the devil and the whole thing? Why is that? Well, to put Jesus to the test and bring out that the Son of God will never sin, even when Satan comes at him at, at his worst. You see, what we find here is a proving ground. What we find here is Jesus revealing that, yes, he is a sinless one, and he stays a sinless one, even with the worst that Satan's going to attack him with, going to hit him with. And you know what? There's another thing we could say, is in all of this, we see that the enemy's uh, strategy is exposed, his tactics. And even through that, we see Jesus wins, so you know we know how to win too. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18 it says, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So our second point is this. Jesus was led into a time of testing in temptation. That's what's going on. That's why the Holy Spirit would direct him. That's why the destination, that's why he would bring him into this location. So Jesus was led into a time of testing in temptation, and he won here. You know, uh, every year the DOE here in Hawaii, right, has all the kids tested to monitor how they're doing and they're learning, right? You know, some of you, every year you got to take that state test, right? You know, we stop our lessons, stop our classes, all the kids take that state test. Well, I believe it's also connected, of course, right, to the amount of funds for education and that can be received, but it also show, reveals how much the students have learned, right? It gives a gauge, right? And that's what tests are, are really for. Well, when Jesus was tested in temptation, it only proved that he is the Son of God. It only proved that. This was a test in temptation. So as Jesus was tested in temptation, you know what? Temptation in your life, in my life, you know what? It's a test for you and me. It shows where we are with the Lord. It shows how we handle things. It shows what, what's on the inside, right? Are we going to be strong for the Lord and loyal to Him? Are we going to give in, what? To what we're being tempted with. And really, you, you have to understand this. And I think this is the second thing you have to, to take with you, is that in fighting temptation, realize this test will show where your devotion really is. Is, it, is your devotion to God? Or is your devotion, you know what? To self. That's what it really comes down to. When we get into these temptations of Jesus and how the devil comes at him, we're going to see this basic thing is this devotion. His devotion to the Lord God is going to be tested. Is it to God, the Father, or is it to himself? I like what a Scottish theologian said in the late 1800s. P.T. Forsyth once said, Unless there is within us that which is above us, we shall soon yield to that which is about us. So this temptation is a test of where we are inside of us. And I really want you to get this. I'm, I'm, we're only taking a little bit tonight. 
Next week, we're going to get into the next section. We're really going to get into specific temptations. But overall, I want you to really start thinking about what's in you. And when the temptation comes, it's a test. So understand that tonight. Well, we see the Holy Spirit direction here. Now let's go on to number two, the wilderness destination. The wilderness destination. Now, we're going to take a few phrases here. At the end of verse 1, it was led by the Spirit, where in the wilderness, and then verse 2, for 40 days. And we're going to stop right there. So, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days. 40 days he was in there. Now, the wilderness here is, is this area in Judea, between the Judea hills, like, um, let's see, west of the Jordan, east of the Judean hills, and it's a wilderness. It, it, it means it's, it's this desolate, barren wasteland. Sheep don't go there to get food. Now, no one lives out there. It, it's one of those places that you don't want to you don't want to live, and it's hard to live. It's harsh, harsh conditions. So the Holy Spirit leads him into that type of environment, into that wilderness. And in that desolate wasteland, we see in verse 2, he was there living for 40 days. And I think that's interesting because 40 days, the, the number 40, we see it in different ways in the Bible, in the Old Testament. How long did the flood last? 40 days, right? Genesis 17. Moses was up on Mount Sinai for what? 40 days, Exodus 24, 18. After spiraling down in fear and discouragement and depression, Elijah hid in a cave for, you know, how long? 20 days. No, just joking. 40 days, the same thing, right? 1 Kings 19, 8. Goliath, we just read this in our, our daily reading, Goliath, taunted the army of Israel for how many days? 40 days. 1 Samuel 17, verse 6. And then the interesting thing, the most interesting thing to me, is Israel was in the wilderness how long? 40 years, right? Not 40 days. 40 years. So there's something in this number 40. And what we find in all of these situations was this opportunity for God to work within all these situations. It was this opportunity to see God work in mighty ways. It was an opportunity, you know what? For victory. That's our subtitle. This opportunity for victory. So understand that. Here in Luke chapter 4, the wilderness destination was for a reason. The 40 days was for a reason. Jesus was to battle and defeat the devil. That's what it was about. Those of you who read this, we know. We've studied Luke before, right? Years ago. We studied the Gospels and we're coming back around here and we're studying verse by verse again in the Bible. And we're, we know in the end, Jesus wins. And so this wilderness destination really was the opportunity for victory. And that's what I want you to get in your heart tonight. In 1 Corinthians 15.45, Jesus is called the last Adam. Paul talks about that. That's because the first Adam, we inherited from him these fleshly, broken, sinful kind of bodies. But when Jesus came and died and rose again, we inherited from him as believers, what? This eternal body. So the first Adam didn't leave us 
good stuff. But the last Adam, Jesus, gave us great stuff. And then think about this. In Genesis 3, when the first Adam was tempted by Satan along with Eve, right? They fell, right? They were on the defense. Satan comes in. They're on the defense. And they lost, right, to temptation, falling into sin. They went out of paradise and they're in the wilderness, right? But the last Adam, Jesus, empowered by the Spirit now, played the offense now, went into the wilderness, right? His first step in ministry was to go and battle Satan, he went played the offense right here what we're seeing in Luke 4. He went straight into the wilderness to face off the devil to recover what was lost way back in Genesis. And then you know what? To take the win, you guys. To take the win. So understand this here. What we're seeing is Jesus was led into the wilderness to win. Jesus was led into the wilderness to win. Understand this passage. Come at it in a whole different way. Maybe, maybe different from, from how you've, you've really read this before. Jesus is coming in, led into this wilderness, into this situation to win, you guys. You know, turn over now to, uh, to the right, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and... And we, 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 I think even recently, I don't remember, maybe last month I referenced this scripture already, but it's good to go back and in context of what, of what we're talking about, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. You guys know this. Some of you have memorized this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. You know what that means? That we all go through the same kind of struggles and battles and temptation. Don't let the enemy tell you that, or, you know, make you think that, oh, I'm the only one. Yeah, everyone else doesn't, but me, I'm the No, it's common to every person. And then it says, God is faithful. That's a promise, you guys, to us, that God will watch out for us. God is promising of what he's saying here, he's going to keep to his word. Right, So God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Listen, you will not be overcome. You will not be overcome. You can overcome. That's the idea. You will not be tempted beyond your ability. The temptation that comes to you, it won't be too much for you. Oh, I can't handle this. Oh, no, oh, no. What is, what is happening here? God... But with the temptation, he will also provide what? The way of escape that you may be able to endure. You know what that way of escape means? If we connect it to our passage, it means we can win. We can beat the temptation. We can have victory. So when the temptation comes, this is the opportunity for victory. Do you see this now? Look at it that way. Sometimes we come to temptation like, oh no, oh no. And maybe you've been beaten up. Maybe you've been defeated. Maybe you come in just totally been, been defeated in temptation. But know this in Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit in your life. You know what? You can have victory. You can have that victory tonight. Let me tell you, it's important that you guys don't miss the next 
three weeks. I plan not to miss. <laughs> But we're going to get into something very important that we all face temptations, battling, spiritual warfare. And here we're going to get into detail on how to battle that and find victory. How to win against temptation. So don't miss. Do all you can to get here, because I'll tell you what. When, whenever whenever I, I, like, I talk about the devil, whenever we're talking about you know, how to put on your spiritual armor in the past, or how, you know, anything like that, you know what? Satan, he don't like that. Yeah? He's going to do everything to keep you from coming here, keep you from connecting online. So we need to make that commitment because this is important stuff here. So I want you to look at temptation in a whole new way. It's not a place of defeat, but it's a place to find victory. Because Jesus was led into the wilderness to lose? No, to win. And to show us how to win. That's what it's about. Jesus defeated the devil here. And you know what? He went on to defeat him when he died on a cross and rose again from the dead. And if, if you're here, if you're connected online, if you're watching our, our live stream, and you've never received Christ, you know what? Know that. Know that. If you receive Christ, you will find victory over your guilt, your shame, your, your, the sin. You'll find freedom from that. So that's why I prayed earlier. So now we fight not for victory, but from victory. In Jesus, we have hope, you guys. And we find it here in this passage. And as we study it, we have hope that we can win against temptation. John Phillips said, We have two options. We can give in to temptation or we can give in to the Holy Spirit. And that's the idea. With the Spirit, with Jesus If we give in or submit it to Christ, we can win over temptation. We don't have to give in to temptation. Not with Jesus. I read about a little girl who was asked how she defeats Satan. She said, when Satan comes knocking at the door of my heart, I send Jesus to answer the door. And when Satan sees Jesus, he says, oops, I'm sorry, I must have the wrong house. <laughs> I like that. But you guys know with Jesus... With Jesus, temptation is actually the opportunity for victory. All right, let's go on to our last heading. We see the Holy Spirit direction, how Jesus was fully submitted in submission to the Spirit. He was led into the wilderness. And we see the wilderness destination was an opportunity for the win, right? And lastly now, we're going to look at the devil's demolition. The devil's demolition, number three. And here we look in verse two. And after, for 40 days, this is being tempted by the devil. And we're going to stop right there. That's going to be the last thing we're going to see tonight. We see the devil, Satan, right? He came into the wilderness, met Jesus there, and tempted him. Now we know when Satan tempts us, that he's going to use all his, his little tricks and strategies and his tactics, and he's going to come after you. And, and just remember this, and we talked about this you know, a month or so ago, about how the devil, is, he's, he's, he's the father of lies, right? He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's an accuser. So he uses all his tools to tempt you, to put that bait there. 
So this liar, this deceiver, the devil, he wants you to fall into sin by using temptation. He wants to destroy you. He wants to dismantle you spiritually. He's coming in uh, and, and just bringing in demolition into your life. Now understand this word here in verse 2, tempted. The root word in the Greek is this word perirazol. Perirazol. And it actually in the Greek means trial. Sometimes it's translated as trial. It means testing, to be tested. It means uh, proving, like to be proved. That, that's actually what it means. It is a neutral word, pierazo. It, there's no negative to it. There's no positive connotation to it. But the context of how it's used changes really the manner of, of this word. See, when God uses the word perirazo, this time of testing, it, it, it becomes a time to help you grow, yeah? to help you get stronger and that's why it's called trials. It's a testing of where you are, but it's also in that testing helps you to grow. And in James 1, 2, it's translated as trial. Well, when, when, when Satan uses the word periazo, he, he uses it as like a hook, baiting a hook. And he tries to get you to sin. So periazo is this test, it turns really into temptation. So when, when it's used with Satan, it's a temptation. When it's used with God, it's a trial. Because what? God wants to build you up, but Satan wants to tear you down. That's his plan. That's the devil's demolition here. This is, this is what I want you to really learn here today. And this is why we're taking the time here. Before we get into all the specific ways that Satan tempted Jesus, and we're going to learn from that in the coming weeks. But tonight, I really basically want you to learn this. God uses trials to help make your life more about Jesus. That's the basic thing. God uses trials to help, your, help make your life more about Jesus. But listen, the devil uses temptation to make your life more about, you know what? Me. Think about that. Yeah? All the temptations, it's all centered around who? Me. Right? The devil tempts you by appealing to your desire for self-satisfaction and self-gain. Rather, it's for your pride or satisfaction with your pleasures, or whatever that is. It's, it's about me. So, listen, basically, right, God uses trials to help you make your life more about Jesus in your life, but the devil uses temptation to make your life more about me. I said earlier, it, that test is to see where your devotion is, right? Is it about God, or is it about my, me, myself? Well, that's, that's the same basic idea. When we go through these temptations, we'll see that more in specific ways, but that's it, you guys. Keep that in mind. In, in temptation, when you're being tempted, think about that. Oh, he's trying to make it about my own satisfaction, my own desires, my own gain. But not about God or what he would want or his pleasures. Think about that. 
when you're being tempted. So our last point is this. The devil's basic strategy is to tempt you to focus on pleasing self more than God. So that's what it means here when it says in in verse 2, being tempted by the devil. The devil came into Jesus and his basic strategy, the devil's basic strategy was to tempt Jesus to focus on pleasing himself, taking care of himself more than God. And we're going to see that unfold in the coming weeks. We got to watch out because Satan, he's, he's wicked. He's evil. And he'll make things look like it's good and nice for you, but it really isn't. He's really trying to get you to fall. And bam, he gets you. You know, I was listening to someone describe how cows are slaughtered to become beef. And in order for the cows or the meat to not have, quote, dark cutting beef, uh, that is a darkness to the color of the meat, an unappealing color of the meat, because um, that happens when cows are, like, stressed out. So they stop, like, doing the electronic prod and forcing them and, you know, and all that. So now what they do is they, they try, and this, this is what I was hearing, this, um, they try and make the cow as comfortable as they can. Less stress means better meat. So first the cow is like brought into, you know, this, this aisle way, this area, and they're guided onto this path where there's no turns, it's just straight, so no stress, nowhere. You can see, you know, a little bit ahead and, you know, what's going on. And they're guided onto this little, like, conveyor belt where they could stand, and the conveyor belt on top of it has grass, and so it's nice and soft to stand on, and, and they're going on this conveyor belt. Then, then, then they're brought into this area where they're kind of squeezed in a little, and, and not too hard, but just enough where, where, where they feel like safe, where they feel like they're, um, <laughs> this is what they're saying, they feel like they're, they're with their mother, and, you know, being nurtured, their memories of being nurtured with their mother, and they're and then when they are satisfied and relaxed and they get to a certain point, then bam, right up here, boom. They're killed at an instant on the spot. What a great bedtime story, huh? Jared, you could tell Riley this nice. Okay, good night. No. <laughs> Look, I'm telling you this, and I'm bringing something shocking, so you will see that's how evil and wicked the devil is. That's what it's like. That's what he does. He tries to appease you, yeah? Making it nice. Making it look, oh, it's so good. Oh, it's something you desire. Oh, it's something you want. Yeah, yeah, come on. Oh, yeah, how can it be bad, really, huh? And then, bam, yeah, he gets you to fall. In temptation. That's the devil's strategy. He gets you to focus on me and your desires and self-satisfying and then BAM! The devil's basic strategy is to tempt you to focus on pleasing self more than God. So you understand, we're in a battle here. The devil hates you and the devil's going to use every trick in his bag to get you to be tempted and fall into sin. To take you apart piece by piece spiritually. 
to demolish you, to destroy you, to bring you down and, and, and just, just destroy your life. But know this now. Know this. Jesus has already won the challenge, right? We know the end. We've, we've, we've watched Survivor in the end. We know who wins, right? He knows how to get through it. And I'll tell you, knowing the strategy of the enemy is a huge step in winning the war. And that's what we're going to be seeing. Just know tonight, temptation is the opportunity for victory. Because you know what? We're going to learn his strategy. And we're already learning that tonight. We know what his goal is. So that should help us not give in to temptation. We know how he's appealing to us in our self-satisfaction and, and self-gain. So we should know when those things are happening and we're not so concerned about God and we're more concerned about ourselves. We know. We should know this strategy. You know, it's been said that tigers normally don't attack from behind. The saying is, no man who sees the tiger before the tiger sees him is ever killed. Interesting, yeah? Now, I'm not sure how true it is, but with the devil, if you know his strategy, right, then you could see him coming, right? Then you can recognize when he's coming around for his attack, when he's throwing that temptation. You know. So in a basic sense, right, you know he's going to try and put your focus on satisfying himself and not focusing on God's plan. On God's will. On guess what? Submitting to the Holy Spirit. Right? On letting the Spirit guide you and control you. Not you. But when you do focus on that, when you're guided by the Spirit, when you're looking more for the win with the help of Jesus and God in the wilderness, you know you'll win. You know you'll make it too. And you know Jesus will guide you through because he's been through it. And I think about it this way. Jesus will guide you through that minefield of temptation. I'll close with this story. On the morning of September 11, 2001, Michael Hingson was working at his desk on the 78th floor of the World Trade Center Tower 1. When he heard a loud boom, and that was when the first plane hit 15 floors above him. When he heard a loud boom, he turned to underneath his desk. Hickson's guide dog, Roselle, was a retriever Labrador mix. Uh, he turned to him and said, forward. You see, Hickson was blind from birth. And so he, he has this guide dog. While Roselle guided Hickson down 78 flights of stairs, through all the confusion, through all the noise, through all the heat, through all the smoke, escaping the tower before it collapsed. They got famous, actually, after all that. I know you might have read about him, and I think he even wrote a book. But we understand, you see, just like uh, Roselle was to Hinks, and so is Jesus to us. With the guidance of Jesus, the direction of the Holy Spirit in us, this is how to win against temptation. And so look at it now. 
as an opportunity for victory. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you, God, we thank you that as we as the story unfolds in front of us, we see, Lord, that that temptation isn't always such a bad thing in our lives. It doesn't have to be that way, Lord. As we understand more of what you went through, and not saying it was easy, but how you handled it, how you went through it, God, we can learn and we can see it more as an opportunity for victory than a place of defeat. And so, Lord, help us tonight, God, to take up the whole armor of God, Lord, that we may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all we could in following you, that we can stand firm, that we will, when the smoke clears, When all is done, Lord, we are still standing for you. In Jesus' name, amen.